Welcome to the Cryptocurrency Teens podcast, a podcast aimed to educate teens on cryptocurrency and financial literacy. Each episode features thought leaders in the crypto and blockchain industry or inspiring entrepreneurs from the business world who share their career journeys and words of wisdom for teenagers. I'm Abigail Lee, the host of this podcast series, the founder of CryptocurrencyTeens.com and a junior in high school from New York City. Hi, welcome to this podcast. I'm Abigail Lee and the founder of CryptocurrencyTeens.com. For this episode, I'm excited to interview Jillian, a journalist at Coindesk and editor-in-chief and founder of Block Leaders. Jillian Gottsell is an award-winning journalist, broadcaster, and author. She's also passionate about blockchain and an advocate for women in blockchain. Hi, Jillian. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here, truly. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you here, too. So, Jillian, I see that you are the journalist at Coindesk and editor-in-chief and founder of Block Leaders. Can you tell us more about your companies and your roles? Sure. Um, I'm pretty much full-time writing these days. I have a background in marketing, PR, in fintech background. And then when I discovered blockchain about four years ago, I went all in to the journalistic side. And it's very exciting because I, I do write for some of the leading publications like uh, as a freelance. So for Coindesk or Cointelegraph. And that's great because it gives me a profile. But I also founded it back in 2018, blockleaders.io, my own site, a new site. And I do a lot of long form interviews on that site. That's, that's really, really exciting because I own it. Uh, so that's, that's like I, I, I'm in charge of uh, the content. And when you're, when you're a freelancer, you're always pitching to your editors. And I'm very nice editors, but I've got to pitch to them the whole time. On my site, I can write whatever I like about. It. So that's a kind of a nice freedom to have. And what's been really good about having this role in, in uh, blockchain and Bitcoin it's a very new industry, as you'll be aware, and your, your listeners and, and watchers will be aware. It's very, very new. So that means that if you've got enthusiasm and passion, you can do a lot more than you could with an established industry, for example, like the pharma industry or something else. So I find that pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, I was traveling extensively, chairing and speaking at different conferences all over the world. Plus also I'm interviewing, I've interviewed some huge names in this business that I might not have got to if it wasn't such a, such a new industry. So I've been interviewing people like, Andreas Antonopoulos, um, Don Tapscott, uh, uh, Alex Mashensky, um, and then uh, John McAfee, the late John McAfee. I interviewed him a couple of years ago as well. So it's been a great uh, opportunity and a privilege to be a journalist and broadcaster in this space because you get to meet so many people. And again, because it's so new, I can get to the higher echelons, which I mightn't have been able to do if I was, say, in, I know, in a more established industry. And it's exciting. There's a lot of good things happening here. Yeah. So what inspired you to found like block leaders? Like what, where did that idea come from? Okay. I'm going to give you as short a history as I possibly can. So I'm 56. I'm 30 plus years in fintech. My first job was with JP Morgan in London. um, And I sort of did technology there and I moved all around the world. And I was working in uh, fintech PR mostly, but doing a lot more writing, increasingly a lot more writing. And then about 10 years, no, 14 years ago, oh, anyway, whenever the crash happened, the 2008 crash, um, I was personally hit by a hit divorce and recession at the same time. This sounds like, it has like a funny sort of path into blockchain. But what happened was we had a big house. I was married, two children, a big house, big mortgage. My ex went back to the UK and became bankrupt. He gave all the debt to myself and our two children. It was my divorce present. I was very unlucky in my divorce presence, getting all the debt. So um, I'm kind of there going, 
what just happened there? What just happened there? At the same time, uh, people were being shamed for failing financially. My business started to collapse. Everything went, went, went dodgy. And the, as you probably are aware, this is, probably, this is history for you now as opposed to living through it, but um, the, the banks were bailed out. The banks were too big to fail, but the little people were left. And, and from that, as we know, uh, Bitcoin was created from the blockchain technology uh, by Satoshi and Nakamoto in 2008. So when I went through all my, my own personal horrible financial failures and all the things that happened, I went, this is not right. So I became very activated. And especially, as I said, a lot of people, and men in particular, were taking their own lives because they failed financially. Ridiculous. Financial failure is not a sin. It just happens to be a painful thing that happens. So I'm ranting and raving. I'm on uh, Huffington Post, New York Times, and BBC, and Al Jazeera, and you name it, Russia Today, and all these things. I'm going, this is not fair. The bank should not be bailed out. And little people should be bailed out. So I got very cross. And then um, I got a cash offer to someone to buy my house. The banks refused consent to sell it, and they preferred to repossess it, and they sold it for a tenth of its value. It made no, it made no sense. It was crazy. But I'm totally activated by this stage. And I also discovered that as a bankrupt, I wasn't allowed to run for public office. Again, it seems seen as shameful. So I changed the law. I brought the Irish government to the High Court, all the way to the Supreme Court. And I said, my constitutional rights have been infringed because I wasn't allowed to run for public office. And then I ran in the 2014 European parliamentary elections. And I got uh, against the banks as a little person with only, only me. It was only me. There was no party. It was a little independent. I, oh, sure. It was great fun. And um, I got 11,500 votes, which made me very, very proud. Enough to make a difference, not, but not to get elected. Um, but even still, I, you know, it, 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 it switched something in my brain, I think, right? And then a couple of years later, I met blockchain. And I went, ah, that's how I changed the world. I thought it was by politics. I thought it was by activation. I thought it was by all these things. I thought, no, no, I'm a journalist. I take my voice into this space. So what? it's kind of a long story. I do apologize. But what, what it's, it's trying to explain like why I'm passionate because I'm going, this is so wrong. It's so unfair. Why are the little people being left behind? It's not right. Um, and I got really, very angry for everybody. You know, we, we all need, I was speaking to somebody recently and they said, oh, 2022 is going to be my year. And I said, can't it be all our years? You know, so this is a whole idea of like this sharing. So we we're in this together. We're in a big world. Let's work together and make things better for everybody. Not the 1% that owns like 80% of the wealth of the world. So that's why, that's my introduction. It's a long winded way. But when I got here, I went, there are so many projects and people in this space who are making things better. And actually the people who want to make the world a better place, it sounds very hippy dippy, but it's not. People have genuine projects and they're tackling real problems from financial inclusion to income equality, to access to education, to even more prosaic things like, you know, supply chain and provenance and NFTs, of course, such fun with them. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening and it's, yeah, it's a great space to be. Yeah. And so um, has Block Leaders started any like initiatives to kind of like help people or is it mostly just like posting like articles and stuff like that? That's a very good question. Ooh, you've just seeded a thought. I should be doing something. At the moment, what I've been doing, I've been concentrating on using my voice to make this heard. So I'm going, what are my skill set? I'm a journalist and a broadcaster. So, and I'm also, because uh, I've worked in fintech for so long, I'm used to translating incomprehensible tech into English. That's kind of what my job has been telling stories about what's happening. So I've, I've been doing that so far. And when I previously, pre-COVID, when I was at different conferences, I would be advocating for women, women in blockchain, why blockchain is important, how it can change the world. But you've just seeded a thought. So maybe that's not enough. Maybe I need to do something else. Maybe I need a little project. Hmm. Yes, I'll come back to you on that one. Thank you very much for giving me some more work. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you ever do start anything, definitely let me know and we'll have you back on to talk about it. Yes, I think I'm thinking about young people as well, do you know, because I love the fact that you're 16 and you're interested in this because 
things like I'm not when I was going to school even when my kids they're only a little bit older than you were going to school kids are not talk, taught about financial independence women in particular and it's like I know because well I'm self-employed most of my life and I find it very difficult to ask for money and it's a women thing women are brought up they it's somehow seems very crass to say all oh, my fees are or my daily rate is or whatever it is it's harder for women I think because we're brought up not to be that these are my rates full stop this is what I'm worth you know so maybe yeah I, I like the idea of doing something with young young people especially young women I really like that idea be, to be financially independent because also here's the other thing too as well it's terrible I'm divorced and um, the divorce rate is huge so that old idea of families uh, growing up and women's women tradition would stay home to raise a family which is kind of you know women have babies so it's more likely to happen right so I'm not being anti-feminist by saying that but if you live in a world where like half the couples split up so the woman who's taken time out to raise children um she's dropped out of her career maybe she hasn't kept up with the training how does then she look after herself if the marriage breaks up and 50 percent of marriages break up what happens then so it's even more important that young women are taught to be independent and and to be financially savvy you know about learning money yes yeah I think you just got, that's that that's, is my new that's my new project <laughs> yeah, no, financial literacy is definitely really important i'm really lucky because um like my school we get i'm taking economics and we have like a lot of different clubs to like if anyone's interested in like finance um but I know a lot of other people in like the country, like the United States, they don't really have access to that. So like my website definitely does have a little bit of information, but we're still working on it, obviously. Mm. No, it's a great idea. And it's, and it's not because like, for example, when I was in school, I loved English. I love reading and writing. So that's my thing. I just adore it. And I loved history too, as well. So I probably wouldn't have voluntarily signed up for a finance club. Because even though I'm working in fintech all my life now, when I was younger, I had no interest in it. I, I, I wouldn't, no, I would have joined a book club. Not, not a, so I often think maybe it's, it needs to be like, you know, uh, you have to do it. So, so it's compulsory and, and not, like, um, not like in a mean way, but just so that people, you know, understand the basics of how to access money and how to use cryptocurrencies, for example. There would not be a great class to have as a compulsory for, you know, six, sixth year kids or, or first year kids, you know, young kids. Yeah. Um, so one of my next questions was like, what was your career journey like to get into the crypto blockchain industry? But I think you kind of covered that. I did. <laughs> my long answer, my long rambling answer. Sorry. So like, why did you decide to like get into this industry as like a journalist? Um, and like, how did you kind of like navigate the very like techie, like, um, like the very techie aspects of like blockchain and like crypto? Okay. Well, there's a couple of things. Just interesting. I'm listening to This American Life again, the podcasts, and um, they have, rather than ads, because it's, it's, it's on a local radio station, so rather than having ads, they have a piece from uh, the editor of the New York Times saying that she's so proud to have all these journalists working with her. And she said some journalists knew they wanted to be a journalist from, the, from a very small age, and other people were in the army, were in medical, were a doctor, and then took their ex- expertise and brought it in. So there, there's no one way into into um, cryptocurrencies and blockchain. There's many ways, I'm trying to say. Uh, being a journalist, I've always wanted to be a journalist. Um, my life kind of put me into the marketing a bit more. To do. I didn't enjoy so much. I, I just love the writing. Um, so it's it's for anybody to get into this space, it, whatever it is you want to do, go and do it, but try and do it either with startups or companies because there's a lot of innovation in this space. So it's quite exciting. It's very fast moving and it's not, you know, uh, sedentary at all. It's, it's um, did I answer your question? <laughs> Just suddenly realized I've been waffling. <laughs> I'm leaving. No, no. This is great. Um, do you find that it's been like kind of like difficult to understand like 
some of the aspects of like crypto without like a background in oh i beg your pardon that's what i didn't answer no you're 100 right it is very techy right and there's two things happening one is it, it is in of itself it's emerging tech so it is very very there's a lot of very bright people here doing a lot of interesting things and and they're not always that easy to understand especially if you're not techy however it will get easier because for example to use cryptocurrencies it's it's um, getting increasingly easier. There's better wallets. The onboarding is much easier. Being able to use exchanges are better. Some some um, exchanges use, use custodial wallets. So you, if you lose the keys, you can still get them back. You know, there's a lot of things that need to happen that make it easier for the average person. Because if it's hard, people won't do it. And, and it's like if you think about when um, the internet was first invented, it wasn't any good until Netscape came along and then Chrome and Google and all the other ones came along. But and if it's not easy to use, no one's going to use it. Like websites... Uh, before they, they existed, um, it was so hard to use the, the interweb or the internet, whatever. It wasn't an easy thing to use, whereas now we use it for everything. So it is very techy because it's very new. It's very it's emerging tech. And that's that's very exciting. If you're a techie, happy days, you're going to love it. And if you're not so techie, don't worry, because you just need to understand the bits that you need to worry about. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you drive a car, do you understand how the engine works? Mm, maybe not. How to change a wheel? Mm, maybe not. I mean, it's always handy if you can, but you can still drive a car. You'd be a perfectly good motorist without having to understand the bits and pieces that make up the car. So, yeah, so I say don't, don't, don't worry if it sounds techie. Just find out what you're interested in and go out and go and do that piece. Yeah, so do you have any advice for teens who are looking to, like, learn more about crypto, like, based on, like, your own past experience of, like, how you, like, learned about how, like, everything worked? Well, I came to it quite late. As I say, it's only four years ago that I suddenly went, oh, my God, what is this thing? And what I did, and I was lucky because we didn't have a lockdown, I went to a lot of meetups. Um, and that was interesting because people were all asking the same questions. Now I'm like a, a veteran at this stage. I'm going, oh, but at the start, you go, what is this thing? How does it work? What, is, what does it mean? What is money? And then you learn all these things that you had no idea about. Um, so going to meetups um, and also, um, well, I was very lucky because I'm a journalist. I started working for another friend of mine, Simon Cocking. He does Irish Tech News. But he was also editing uh, Cryptocoin.news, I think, or Cryptocoin, something, I can't the name of the publication. So he said, come on, write for me here. So he had me analyzing white papers. Now, I hadn't a clue what I was analyzing, but it was a very much a learning on the job, you know, because you, you how, what does this make? What is tokenomics? What is, you know, what, oh my God, what is this? It was really quite difficult, but, but to analyze a, a, a white paper is quite handy because although it's actually very boring, not fun if, if it's a boring project, but you're not talking to anybody. You're not making mistakes. You're just doing, and then uh, he would look it over, make sure it made sense. I hadn't got anything very wrong. So we'll tell you one funny story. I was doing an interview with an Italian company and they were doing um, experiences uh, on a blockchain. So you, you would buy all these experiences uh, for different things. And they had a, a token, a native token, which you used to buy the, these experiences. And uh, at the very end, he had a very strong accent. And I had the, the PR girl was on the same call. It was, only, it was only an audio call. But he had a very strong accent. It was hard to understand him. And at the very end, I said, uh, I said, if you were to choose an experience, what would you choose? And I thought he said he'd like to go to a concert with Metallica. And I'm going to myself, I asked him, I repeated it twice, with Metallica. And I'm thinking, is Metallica still going? It's, it's a kind of rock band, whatever. I don't, I don't, even, I don't know if it's still going or not. And then I realized afterwards, the PR girl rang me after and said, you do realize he wanted to spend an evening with uh, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum. I went, oh, <laughs> I was convinced it was Metallica, not Vitalik Buterin. It was just the funniest thing ever. So when you my starter job was easy, just analyzing the white papers. So I couldn't, they could be corrected, the mistakes could be corrected before I made some silly boo-boos. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, our target audience are teens around the world, as you already know, um, who are interested in crypto or blockchain. So what advice would you get, give them about entering this industry in the future as a career? Well, sign up for your podcast for start. Um, and also, I think what you're doing, because uh, I work with the, the, the Blockchain Academy, which is a great organization that is teaching in different universities, right? Um, and through them, I've discovered universities are quite slow to bring on uh, new new courses, as indeed are schools, because teachers always change, it's kind of tough. So the best advice I could give you was that, or give somebody your age, if you're in high school or about to enter university, is to join the local crypto club. And if one doesn't exist, set it up. And it's not that hard because I used to be involved when I was a young person in the HIST, which is the debating society in Trinity College in Dublin, oldest debating society in the world. And we used to lose a start. We used to invite people in there and they would just come. I mean, there was no money. We didn't offer them any money. We were a student organization. So the same way people love to be asked to come and give their opinion. So if you set up a club, invite people in, people who are running, you know, have a look and see who's in your area. And who's running businesses in New York or, or wherever you are? There'll be loads of crypto businesses all over the place. Or zoom them in. Zoom. Say, can you come and give us a talk? And most founders and entrepreneurs, although they're very busy people, they love to give advice. And they would, they would absolutely. The idea of a, a bunch of sixteen-year-olds taking time out to ask for their advice, you definitely get them. So that's what I would say for a young person: either join a club, or if you, if you haven't joined a club, set up your own and don't be scared. Go out and and, and just. Because I tell you, when 16-year-olds show initiative, everybody loves it. It's just, I'm, I'm so impressed with you. I'm like going, wow, what was I doing when I was 16? I'm sure he wasn't doing what you were doing. <laughs> took me, I must be a very slow learner or a slow burner. So people love young people taking initiative. They really do. It's, it's, a, it's very heartwarming. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not like always like in work mode. I also like... <laughs> Obviously. Like, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, um, so for, since you have experience with like, um, like universities who offer like blockchain courses, so for high school juniors and seniors who are deciding which colleges to apply to, do you recommend any particular colleges to study crypto at? Well, the only thing, well, two things, if you want to study crypto that needs to be on the curriculum, and they are, they are starting to come through, go onto the, the blockchain academies. Uh, site and just see what what universities they've paired up with because they're doing some teaching there but also I think to be honest because it's such a fast-moving industry uh, choose choose the college because you like it you can afford it. it's in your neighborhood whatever it is you know what you choose choose a college because your friends are going there whatever and then uh, if you haven't already set up a crypto club or a blockchain club or a bitcoin club whatever and do and do that again and use that as your means to because you learn so much from people who are actually doing things at the moment, and whether it's at, at a marketing level, a financial level, legal level, or a tech level, you, you, you can choose whichever way you want to go, but you'll learn, why not learn from the horse's mouth? And the nice thing is these people who are founders and builders in this space, they are incredibly busy. They are, they're busier than any other sector I've ever seen in my entire life, but they're also very giving. That's a really, it's a really, I find it's a very friendly environment. People like to teach other people and they like to talk about what they're doing, obviously. And I tell you, if young people, if they set up the clubs and invite the oldies in, and actually a, a lot of people, people who are in, who are founders are young themselves anyway, they're only in their twenties or younger sometimes. So, but you will, I, I think it's, choose the university because you like the university. I don't, I, it's too soon to expect it good. I imagine, and I could be totally wrong, but I, there's very few universities that, that will take on new courses. It takes a long time to change a curriculum because the staff don't know about it or they have to bring it in. So it's, it, they mightn't be directly in the curriculum, but to do it yourselves. Set up, set up classes. And have you heard of um, oh, uh, Coder Dojo? 
No, actually. Oh, I looked that up afterwards. It was actually set up by an Irish student and also his, um, I think he's New Zealand entrepreneur and philanthropist, Bill Liao, who you may have heard of. Um, and basically they do after school at primary level. So kids under 12, um, uh, kids, they do after school classes where they learn to do coding. And they call it code or dozier because the person who's there is not teaching them, it's leading them like a dozier in, in martial arts. Um, but it, it's a great way to learn. So if there, 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 there are code or dozier clubs all over the place. So not just for primary school, for secondary schools too as well. And they'll, they'll be teaching the languages of, um, of the blockchain. So it's Python or Rust or Substrate, whatever those languages that are being taught. Because the other thing too as well, again, you don't have to be techie, but if you are techie, you're, you're in the luck because your jobs are at a premium and your salaries are at a premium if you have uh, techie uh, blockchain programming skills. You can charge, I don't know, half again on top of other people. Yeah, um, there are definitely like a lot of like free coding, um, like educational sites out there, like definitely like the ones from like Harvard, stuff like that. And I have that in like the resource section of our website, but I'll definitely add um, what you said to the, the Coder Dojo. It's very, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a free thing. It's, it's run, it's, it's all by volunteers. But it's, it's again, like, now I wouldn't be techie techie, although I'm, I write about techie. I, I'm, I don't want to code. I'm a terrible coder. I've done coding, rotten coder. But I like writing about it. I like writing about the ideas. So, but if you are techie, happy days, because it's such a booming space, yeah. you know. But if you're not techie, don't worry, you can still get in there. You can be a marketeer, a lawyer, a HR person, you know, a, I know, a builder of some kind. It doesn't have to be techie. Yeah. Um, there are like a ton of jobs in this industry for like everyone. Um, so on the blockleaders.io website, I saw an article called the world's top universities look to scale a certified blockchain workforce by Lisa Gibbons on September 17th, 2021. Um, I think our listeners would be really interested in this article. So um, if you've like, if you're like well acquainted with it, can you share any like key findings from this article? Well, it's, it's again, going back to the thing that um, universities move slowly, and uh, that's one problem. I mean, no, and there's a reason for it, because the professors have to give the lectures, so it's very hard to upgrade your professors and the whole courses. But universities do recognize that it is an increasingly a need to have blockchain because there's so much demand for it. Um, and then getting certification is an issue because there's very few ways to be, you know, blockchain certified. I mean, I, obviously the University of, of Nicosia was one of the first ones with Andreas Antonopoulos. He, what, that, they offer that full-time course. I did a uh, a MOOC, you know, the, the massively open online courses. I did one of those with Andreas Antonopoulos in, uh, well, obviously uh, by Zoom. Uh, quite a tough one, actually. It was, it was quite techy. But yes, I mean, it, it's increasingly important for, for universities to have the, the uh, accredited courses available for young people. Because how else, when you go look for a job, how can you tell people, oh, I've been trained in this, if you haven't got a, a search of some kind? So it is very important, but it's, it's I mean, it's slow moving. That's the only problem. It, you, you know, It'll, it'll come, it'll come, but it just, it'll take maybe 10 years maybe for it to become universal. And um, you'll want to have your, your, your degree under your belt and out working in the big world by then, you know? Yeah, I've definitely talked to like some professors for my podcast and a lot of them have like said that it's very difficult to like integrate curriculum with blockchain. So there are obviously yeah. like free resources out there that, you know, like YouTube and stuff like that, where you can definitely learn more if your college doesn't offer you a course. Yeah. And I think also because it's a new industry, they'd be more open. To, if you say I've got all these, all these MOOCs or I've done this or I've done whatever, it's it, everybody knows it's, it's, it's very new. So it's not like they're going, well, why haven't you got a degree from Harvard in it? Because Harvard is not that kind of qualification, you know? So it's, um, it, don't be scared. It's a very friendly, fast moving 
frenetic industry, but very friendly. I think that's kind of nice to remember that you can knock on doors and, you know, find opportunities in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, so do you have just any general advice for teens regarding the crypto or blockchain industries, um, like any safety advice or really any words of wisdom that you would like to share? Well, there is the one thing about, I get asked by people who aren't in the industry, say, oh, what should I buy? What should I buy? Should I buy Dogecoin or whatever? And I'm going, I'm not giving you any financial advice because I'm not a trader. Um, I work in the industry and yes, I earn coins, but I, I don't, I don't trade. I don't invest. It's not, it's just, it's just not my thing, you know, and I know it's not my thing. So I, I would say to young people, don't feel pressurized to start. I mean, by all means, nothing wrong with opening a wallet and, and buying some Bitcoin or Litecoin or some, you know, Ethereum. Only spend that what you can afford to lose. Now, I think it's, it's a fairly safe bet, but even still, I mean, in 2017, it was 20,000 Bitcoin and then it went down to 3,000 for, you know, two years. And if you were going to rely on that to pay for your school books, you'd be a bit squished, you know. So it, it is, uh, you know, if, if you want to uh, invest only invest that which you can afford to lose. But by all means, open a wallet, get some Bitcoin, get some Ethereum. Um, you know, also, if you're young people, uh, there's, there's a lot of play to earn uh, opportunities out there as well. If people are gamers, um, there's a, a, a gamer hash. They do, if, you've got, if you have a big um, laptop with your uh, uh, CPU and GPU cards on it, you can earn between $100 and $250 a month just by downloading the app, the gamer hash app. And it's on the background, doesn't cost any more electricity. And what's quite nice, they've also got a gamer hash marketplace, and you can use that to buy stuff like you know, uh, you know, subscriptions to Netflix, Spotify, and increasingly they're also uh, building a marketplace where you can actually buy, you know, buy stuff in Starbucks in in you know in, in different outlets. So if you're the gamers that there, there's all Alien Worlds as well, another uh, place where you can earn a trillium by playing the game. Um, so that's kind of fun. I think you can you can play games and earn. So people used to joke that gamers would oh you'll end up living above your parents, you know, in the garage above your parents' house because you'll, you'll be good for nothing, good for nothing. The gamers and now the gamers are laughing because they're making money, making big money either playing the games or because they're they're experts, they're getting jobs in the space because it's such a growth area. So um, gamers, well done. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I. Like that's pretty unexpected, but at the same time, like exciting for people who game, I guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm not a gamer, but you know, I, I think it's wonderful if you are a gamer. This is there's a whole new industry out there. We can first of all, as a kid, you can play there and earn money, but secondly, you can also, um, you know, have a career because because gamers need to hire people. Gaming, there's so many gaming uh, companies coming up. They need to hire people who understand gaming. You're so good. I mean, I couldn't go and work directly. You know, design. How could I design a game? I've never played a game. You know. So um, the, 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 these are actually skills you learn as you go along. So and they're, they're useful in after school life. So since we're almost out of time on this episode, do you just have any like final thoughts or advice that you want to share? Well, I'm very impressed that you, Abby at 16, are doing this podcast. That's very impressive. And I love it because it, it's, it's like anything. It's like riding a bike or driving a car and those things. Do it early, learning to swim, horse riding, whatever. Do it early. It'll be easier. I think it's amazing. I'm not saying you have to have a career in blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Of course not. You want to be a nurse or you want to be a doctor. You know, you want to be a scientist. I don't know. There's loads of jobs out there. But I think two things. One, to be aware of it because it's so trans transformative. And secondly, um, it's also an alternative in terms of uh, financial freedoms. So people I know are staking their 
At the moment, the world, there's zero uh, interest rates. People are not earning any money on their savings. People who, who, who hold cryptocurrencies, they're staking them. And sometimes they're doing very, very, um, like there's very uh, secure staking uh, things that, they don't, that only, says she, pay like maybe 4% per annum, which is 4% per annum more than the banks will give you. Um, or, you know, you can, you can um, earn money. And so it's not just, you're not just waiting for the price of the coin to go up, which may or may not happen. But if you're staking, you're earning interest on the coins that you hold too as well. And it's just good to be financially savvy. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. And I love the fact that young people are looking at it because apart from anything else, you're going to um, change the world. You know, that you're, you're, the world's in your hands. Whatever, you know, the ideas you come through with, That'll be important. So it'd be nice to be part of an industry that actually makes a difference. So well done. Well done. Thank you. And that like kind of like brings up another question. So like what's your view on like the new and upcoming generations like attitude towards crypto? Like where do you see the future of like crypto in like maybe like 10, 20 years? Well, I love young people's and I sound like I'm so ancient, but I love how young people think. I have two kids who are 27, 25 actually. And and their thinking is so different from mine. It's like as if those two generations have, have changed. And they're people, because they're concerned about the climate, they're concerned about, you know, um, reuse all their clothes. Most of their clothes um, are vintage or secondhand. You know, they're, they, they, they um, uh, recycle everything. They, all their makeups, they're, they're, they, they, they read labels. Young people, young people read labels. And so they want to know what's in the food. My, my two are vegan and vegetarian. What's in the food? What's in the makeup? What's in this? Where did this come from? All these questions. And it's it's a really good place to begin from. Young people questioning. Because before, I think, I, I did not read labels before. And, I, and of course, there's more on labels in, 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 in intervening years because there's more laws, maybe things have to, be, have to be transparent. But it's amazing. So I think it's the young generation coming through, especially after the crash, even though you probably don't, don't remember it in terms of, of an event in your life, it's it's spawned a lot of new thinking. Like, why is it like this? Why? Why? All these whys. W- you know, why are we doing things like that? Why do the banks have all the money? You know, why does Jeff Bezos make so much money and his his the staff in the warehousing are barely, they're using their own uh, supplements, they haven't got enough money to live, they haven't got a living wage, you know? And I think those are, these are very valid questions because the world has changed and we, I think the rest of us have been asleep at the wheel, I think, not realizing how things have changed. I think crypto is part of that change because it's, it's a transfer of value. It's a means of value. And if you don't need their money, if you can work with somebody else and exchange value with your neighbor using crypto, you're bypassing the whole system that, that has its vice-like grip on the world. Happy days. Yeah. Well, I know my generation's like really interested in like sustainability, like thrifting and like the environment. And I think definitely crypto could be one avenue of like achieving that. Um, at the same time, like it's also good for like spreading the wealth um, and like generational like income inequality, stuff like that. So definitely yeah. exciting. No, I, I take my hat off to you. Well done. It's great. It's, the world is it'll be a lot safer place with people like you at the, at the wheel, Abby. A lot safer. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, Jillian, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a pleasure and an educational experience, and I really appreciate your time, and I hope to have you back on maybe sometime in the future. Well, I have to kickstart that project. It's all your fault. You give me more work, but you're right. What else? It's not enough just to be a journalist and, and spreading the word. I need to figure out something else active, and maybe it's working with young women. You know, maybe it's financial um, illiteracy. I don't know. There's something there, though. You got me thinking. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to see, like, what you come up with yeah yeah well you, you've you, you you've given the, the challenge to me certainly so thank you very much for that <laughs>
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Cryptocurrency Teens podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and visit the cryptocurrencyteens.com website to find extra resources and info. See you soon. Disclaimer, the views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of cryptocurrency teams and its staff. Second disclaimer is that this is not financial advice. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as financial advice. In general, the advice offered by our guests should be general advice about the cryptocurrency industry or the blockchain industry and not specific investment advice.